Financially Free with Cleo. Hey, this is Cleo with CleoYogaFinance.com and welcome back for another episode with Financially Free with Cleo, a show where we shift mindsets with real and raw money conversations with everyday people, empowering you to take action, appreciate the journey, and live the lifestyle you desire financially, mentally, and physically. Today, we have a very special guest, Rob Boyd. He is a former financial advisor and real estate economist, turned financial education specialist, media entrepreneur, and speaker. As a native of Durham, North Carolina, known for its Black Wall Street, he's overcome challenges that plague many underserved communities. At Howard University, Rob discovered his natural understanding of financial and business concepts and he pursued a master's in real estate from Georgetown University to elevate his career in finance, real estate, and economics. Rob made the decision to leave corporate America and become an entrepreneur. And during that transition, he made a pit stop in federal banking to help educate regional and national banks on how to better serve low to moderate income communities. So now, as a financial educator and business consultant, he uses his stories and expertise to equip youth and adults with skills in personal finance and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the show, Rob. I'm so excited for you to be here. Um, I'm excited to be here, too. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into it, but there's so many, so many reasons why this is going to be a wonderful conversation today. Yes, I totally agree. And those out there listening, they know I love to go way back to your childhood. So if you could just start with sharing with us how you grew up and how you first learned about money. Well, I grew up in a single parent household. And uh, that's, I think, tremendously important to my story as far as growing up with my mom and later down the road, my younger brother. And um, we, we weren't really on the best side of town uh, growing up. And, uh, it, and we kind of moved around a lot when I was younger. Uh, and I, I like changed schools a couple of times and changed districts and things of that nature. So uh, my, my upbringing was, was pretty interesting um, in relation to just life at home and I mean, me and my mother had a great relationship and, and, and we we were always like two peas in a pod. Um, but outside the home, you know, life is a little bit different. Uh, and, and in our neighborhoods and, and in our communities, there's a lot of crazy things going on that um, you kind of have to live with and live through. And I think uh, those experiences, especially in Durham, North Carolina, which is an historically black city, um, and has a lot of uh, history as far as uh, Black Wall Street and other other monikers that have have labeled this the city in the past. Um, it was it was just a very interesting upbringing. But I, I came into contact through my mother. I mean, excuse me, came into contact through, with money through my mother. Uh, because while I was growing up, she was working in a bank, and mm-hmm. uh, and she went from bank teller to bank manager. And this is kind of throughout my elementary age and kind of mid, midway through middle school. And, um, and 
while I was in elementary school at times where she couldn't afford to send me to summer camp or put me into mm. some camp because I was in a, a year round school that it was like nine weeks on and then it's like two weeks off. It's like an intermission. Um, and during those intermissions and like in the summers, was, summers were shorter for year round kids. But in those, in those settings, I was taken to work with her and I would be in the break room and she would give me pennies and nickels to count all day long. And that was my introduction to money. And I didn't think of it at that point, like, oh, like nobody else is sitting at home counting nickels and pennies all day. I didn't think of it like that. That was my experience. But then later after going to college and like looking back, it's like, why did I even choose economics? Like, why did I even like, and it was something that was kind of innately in me that I just had an interest for money. And it started with those points when I was younger, when I was literally like just counting coins it wasn't dollars but I was counting coins all day and I'm sure that that my imagination was running wild at that younger age and and as life went on and you kind of face outside if you will mm -hmm. you kind of uh suppress or repress some of that imagination and um but it it, it was able to kind of come back out when it came time to go to college and choose a different life path and it's like okay where do I go from here um, going to a completely different state or a completely different place away from home is kind of like a refresh. And the only thing I had or could think of to grab onto was, oh man, that that experience, if you will, uh, from younger at, at a younger age around money and counting money. Like, let me see if I, I'm good at some of these money classes. And mm. here we are today. Because uh, it all just carried throughout the rest of my life. Yeah, that that's so cool about the counting coins as a young kid. I didn't get introduced to counting money at that early age, but I think it's really cool because you just be surprised how much kids pick up on. Right. And then even like later, like in teen years or our adult years, like you said, you start to think about stuff you learned as a kid and how, you know what, this is actually useful, just basic money skills learning how to count coins so that's super cool and even with your mom you know working at a bank already so I'm sure she was able to introduce you to things about the banking world that some of us may not get what? to or did you ever talk about any of that like at it home? was interesting so uh to to kind of even go into more detail and I think this is this is actually very important that my mom worked at a black owned bank mm. and and this was a part of the Durham's history so for those who don't know um, Durham is known for one of the oldest Black-owned insurance companies, as well as, well as uh, Black-owned banks. And back in the early 1900s, it was all types of Black-owned businesses on this street wow. in Durham called Parrish Street. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like what Greenwood Street is in Tulsa is what Parrish Street is in Durham. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so uh, throughout time, that insurance company the North Carolina Mutual Insurance Company mm -hmm. um, then kind of had a spinoff and created North Carolina Mutual Community Savings Bank. Mm -hmm. And that's the bank that my mom worked at, which is kind of like just kind of the history being passed down. And in the moment, I had no idea of any of this history. Right. And, mm -hmm. and my mom, I can't say that she really was receptive to all of it because she never told me about it you know like she, we never talked about it right 
Mm-hmm. She just told me that it was a black owned bank, but it, that was pretty much the extent of the conversation. And so um, I, I think at that point in time, I didn't realize that that wasn't normal. Like I didn't know that that wasn't normal. I had I never been to other places to know like, okay, first of all, a black owned bank is not something you see every day. And then also um, that it came from historical uh, beginnings or origins back to over a hundred years ago. Um, And so I didn't really know in the moment and I didn't really learn much about banking in the moment, but it was a familiarity that that was really, I think the foundational core of like, okay, let, let me learn something about money and the world because I do have some childhood recollection of what a job in that industry actually looks at looks like like I was like I know what being a bank teller is Mm -hmm. and even though I'm in college and I know there's so many other opportunities like that was something I could kind of say all right I know something a little bit about that let me let me study that as a major and if I don't like it I'll change it but that's something I can kind of run with yeah that's so cool because I'm glad you gave us that history about it because a lot of us aren't aware of that at all and I know I'm from Nashville Tennessee and I didn't really understand about black owned banks you know there was one black owned bank and I'm not sure if it's still you know open but it was either Citizens Bank uh, I think that was the name of it and it was on a historic street in Nashville Tennessee on Jefferson Street Um, I didn't know anyone that worked there but I just heard black owned but didn't really know the significance of it. So Mm -hmm. the fact that you said your mother worked at a black owned bank as a kid, we didn't really grasp the concept of how huge that is at that time. And even today. Right, right. And um, and when I look back at it, I remember this one guy, um, his name was Mr. Lewis. And Mr. Lewis was an older black gentleman who worked at the bank, right? And, And he really, I won't say um, kind of looked out for my mom, but he was like the the wisest guy at the bank, right? And and yeah, I, I would say there was probably at any point in time, maybe four or five employees at the bank, right? So uh, it was very like a small branch. It wasn't like a huge bank branch. And at, when I was younger, I mean, he was already in his late seventies and he was still working. He hadn't retired, right? And he was like one of those, one of those individuals is just stuck around, not necessarily because he had to, because you always knew Mr. Lewis had money. You don't know where it was, but you just knew he had some money, right? Yeah. But he just stuck around and kept working because he just said he, he just is too bored at home. And mm-hmm. I remember, like, thinking back, I remember things that he used to say to me and tell me um, as I got older and I really had to sit down and, like, think back uh, about just certain things in childhood. Uh, and when I had to do that as a, as an adult, I could think back to like the things he used to say to me. He's like, yeah, like, uh, like this, this is a special place. And like your mom is the manager and you, you should really be proud of it. Like he used to just tell me these things. And uh, I would just like, I'm like, okay, it's my mom, whatever. Like I, I really didn't, <laughs> you know, I didn't know what he was trying to convey to me. Mm-hmm. And, and now, um, looking back at and remembering some of the phrases and things he used to say or share with me when I was at work in the break room counting all those coins and 
and it's like wow like he was trying to tell me when I was eight nine ten years old uh and that this was something that was special and, and should be cherished as just a place and a place of business and things of that nature mm-hmm. and knowing he's passed on years ago and just knowing for myself right now that I had an uh, experience in my life um, as a consultant to consult regional and large banks and be a consultant. And just to think back in my life that there, at one point I was just a little kid that was at work with my mom who worked at a bank. And I just didn't think anything of it to now that I consult banks like this. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it made, it made me take myself serious when I had that realization, like, hold on, like, this isn't, this isn't just the, the average Joe Blow story. Like, it, like you have an opportunity to, however um, you can c- carry the torch in some way of, of, as far as like black people in the financial space. Like that, mm-hmm. that's just kind of, I know it sounds broad, but that's kind of the flag that I carry. It's like, I, I think black people can be successful in the financial space that's just that's just the bare bones to it and how could i continue to carry that on in my lifetime being that i've kind of decided to pick that that torch up out of all the torches Mm -hmm. um and that's just really what gets me up every day but it's these like stories that i think back at it's like man like the reason i'm doing what i do today is Mm -hmm. that my mom was in a tough financial situation which require her to take me to work with her mm. and that position even though it wasn't enjoyable in the moment has created the space for all the opportunities i live within today and you kind of find ways to be grateful and have mm-hmm. some gratitude for those struggle days because you just never think about the positive ways that those moments can kind of form you for the future um mm-hmm. And that that that's what I always think about when I think about like how I ended up here today, and mm-hmm. and it, and and it's not random. Like I used to think, oh, I just kind of randomly <laughs> fell into the finance. Like, nah, yeah. nah. <laughs> and and I had to and I had to because when you can say I just fell in here, you mm-hmm. you can kind of move without expectation and without intent. But mm-hmm. to know that this this I'm 32 years old, and to know that. The, way, the reason I'm here today has been like a 24 year journey to get mm-hmm. to this point. If you think about it like that, it's like, this isn't by chance. So, yeah. so I, that's how I, I kind of look at it in my own mind and, mm-hmm. um, and kind of give myself flowers while I can. Yeah. Um, and to say, Rob, like you really stuck through and committed to, to something that you were shown at a younger age that you didn't even notice at that point. And, um, and that's been a way kind of on a different topic that I've kind of learned how to, to like self, like take a step in the area of self-care and self-love and just appreciating, appreciating yourself, um, which is something I've been personally been looking to get better at uh, yeah. oh, recently in my life. And it's just like looking at those things and say like, yeah, I did that. Like I didn't get lucky. Like I, I worked for that. Yeah, I think it's important for us to reflect back on stuff from our childhood. Just like you mentioned, your mom was in a position where she had to take you to work. 
And yes, as a kid, you may not understand, you know, you probably, you probably had days when you were probably bored or probably wish you were somewhere else. But it's like, you think about situations like that and look at you now. That's why I feel like we should reflect back on certain struggles or experiences because you just never know. It's like a piece of the puzzle, a piece of your story Mm -hmm. that's like leading to something even more powerful. And even with the conversations with the the man that worked at the bank and that was trying to educate you on how, you know, significance, you know, how significant this black owned bank is and that your mom works here. So I'm sure later on, once you start to realize like that was a big deal, (laughs) you know, I may have been there as a kid and not really uh, understanding, but I think that goes back to, you know, talking with kids, really important for us to talk to kids, just like that man talked to you and, how you're talking to other kids nowadays as well. They're going to remember that years later. It may not make sense at the moment, but five, 10, 20 years later, they're going to be able to realize that, hey, this actually was a piece that helps me uh, in my life. And I'm sure, I know you said you're getting better at um, being you know, grateful for certain things, giving yourself flowers, which is very, very important to do, especially the, um, the higher levels that we get to and the more opportunities and more uh, experience that we get, we definitely have to acknowledge that. I think sometimes we can underestimate ourselves, but like when you said 24 years, we have to think about everything from before we even graduated high school until now, like everything is skills and experiences and opportunities that has contributed to what we're doing today. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think we all can do better at giving ourselves flowers, but also giving other people flowers that we feel add value into our lives as well. So I think that's really, really important. So as you reflect back to everything that you've experienced and even going back to present day, like what do you feel is one of your best money decisions? Just Mm. thinking about everything that you've experienced, which I'm sure you've had a lot, uh, but what do you feel is one of your best money decisions? One of my best money decisions. Wow. Oh man, this is a good. This is a good one, Cleo. I would <laughs> say it's because I want to go two different directions, and so let's go there in a positive way. I think mm-hmm. one of my best decisions ever was probably one of my risky, riskiest decisions ever, um, and that that just turned out in a good way um i had a friend of mine (laughs) that uh i'm still cool and great with today so this is no indictment of her but uh i had a friend of mine call me out of the blue uh this is while i was living in dc and um at that point i was at the tail end of kind of leaving corporate america um and this is probably like 24 25 years old somewhere around in this range Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, she calls me and says, Hey Rob, like, and she's in real estate, she's a real estate agent at the moment, just context. <laughs> mm-hmm. She calls me and says, Hey Rob, I got this, I, I found this deal. Um, do, do you want to do it? And I'm like, you can't just ask me a question. I know you know that I'm willing to invest, but you just can't just ask me just such a general generic <laughs> question like that because you're trying to get me on the hook before you tell me the rest of the story right Mm -hmm. so um and I'm like uh 
I mean, I consider stuff like I consider whatever. She's like, well, no, it's like this is like a a, a now or never deal. Like we got to do this quick. Like we need to close in like four days. And I'm like, what? Whoa, whoa, time out. What is going on? Like, I'm not. I'm not just about to like. I trust you, and I trust mm-hmm. your judgment professionally. But yeah. I also will have to just know some details before I just give you a flat out yes. Let's do it. Like, yeah. So she, uh, she basically had found a real estate deal in which um, there was a distressed seller. This is and this was a commercial real estate property here in Atlanta on Metropolitan Parkway, which is at the moment kind of a rough area in relation to just a lot of dilapidated buildings near a lot of just things that just need to be redeveloped. Uh, But in history, just a prolific area of the city. Uh, And I'm like, what what the heck is on Metropolitan? That's what I'm thinking. What the heck is on Metropolitan Parkway? Because even though I lived in DC, my mm-hmm. father lives here in Atlanta, so I'm always I was always mm-hmm. traveling to Atlanta um, throughout my life just to visit him. So I knew some mm-hmm. areas, and she says it's it's this commercial property. It's abandoned right now. Distressed seller. He's going to do a divorce. He needs cash quickly, and he's just looking to liquidate all of his assets to do what he needs to do. And he just doesn't have anything to do with this property. It's not producing any income for him at the moment. Like he just want to get rid of it. I said, okay. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, that, 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 that story is starting to come together. I see where we're going here. Right. Mm-hmm. But then immediately I'm like, okay, well, what's the number, right? Like, wh- what are we talking about here? Yeah. So, um, I'll say that it was it, the, the total property itself was less than $50,000. Right. Mm-hmm. He needed, he needed about, he, he, he was willing to take little less than $50,000 for the property. Now, this is in right outside of downtown near Spelman College on Metropolitan on Metropolitan Parkway. Um, and so you just don't come across anything. You don't even <laughs> sometimes you don't even come across an empty residential lot for that amount, Res, yeah. let alone a commercial lot that's already commercially zoned, that's are like mm-hmm. just good to just ready to rock and roll in a way. And um we we it was a couple of us that were part of the deal. It was, it was probably a total of like six of us, mm-hmm. and we all kind of split it up, um, split up the total. And I that day, so this is the same day she's calling me, right? This so she called me in the morning. The wow. same day, I go to the bank, um, and I wire her the money. Mm-hmm. This is how much I trusted her. I wired her the money. Wow. Because they because we needed to close in four days because he was going to like his divorce meeting or something in, in on the fifth day or something. <laughs> so and so I, I agreed. I said yes. I didn't we didn't have a plan. We didn't have an exit strategy. We didn't have none of that planned out. And yeah. we just saw an opportunity to to acquire property and jumped on it and the time kind of cycled for a while. It just sat there. And then there was a point where we were getting income from the property from it being rented out as a parking lot because of, again, mm-hmm. the building was boarded up, abandoned, but there was a restaurant next door that needed extra parking. So it was kind of making some money in that way in the, in the interim. And then ultimately uh, it finally became what it is today 
which is now a black owned pizza shop mm -hmm. uh, that is at that location uh, on that property. The older building got, has been torn down. Um, and we went from just owning a piece, grabbing a piece of land just because we knew it was a great opportunity. And she came across it in her everyday work and as a real estate agent uh, in the commercial space. And, um, and then it led to us then being having an opportunity to then connect the dots for someone to come develop, redevelop the, the property um, and kind of take that on us and, and us kind of like just watch that happen, you know, and, not, yeah. and you're not a part of every deal on the top level. So mm -hmm. uh, another uh, entity came in, developed it, built a retail property. Um, and now uh, there's a black owned uh, pizza, pizza parlor called Slim and Huskies. Yeah, uh, Nashville. On, <laughs> right on, on on the uh on the property, and that was probably one of the best because I just just having the experience and being yeah. on that side of the table, and just being able to see all the pieces to the puzzle, um, and then see that happen. I think just the manifestation of that was mm -hmm. such a boost to my mentality, just yeah. to see that like play out, um. And I think that was probably, I mean, the return on the investment wasn't out of this world. Um, and it wasn't like a astronomically great financial deal. It yeah. was the experience that was valuable. Mm -hmm. um, and just being right place, right time and trusting your intuition, trusting your gut. Um, and then having a strong network, having that individual as my friend that called me. Um, and it's just so many things that had to line up for that to work. So I think that's one of my better decisions, even though it wasn't the most lucrative financially. Yeah. Still being a part of that. And then on the flip side, though, the other one to answer that question very, even quicker mm -hmm. was um, actually uh, a bad financial decision, mm -hmm. uh, which was to get into the game of um, credit or credit mm -hmm. cards, right? Yeah. And thinking that early on, it's like, oh, I know I, I'm going to have to pay this back one day, but I'm going to do what I need to do so that I'm going to spend this money in a way that is going to create more income. Right. And, and yeah. I, I knew that that was that was possible, but I really wasn't serious about that. Yeah. Um, like I should have been and thinking, oh, I can start a business on a credit card, which is not the greatest idea, y'all, um, <laughs> at least from my experience. And um, as far as just depending on the credit card for certain expenses, and it just, there should never, there should never be a dependency. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so that was one of the decisions that I learned a lot from that ended up being, even though it was a mistake, it ended up being a, a ROI positive decision um, because I just learned so much about credit, managing credit, credit cards, um, mm -hmm. how to pay them off, learn everything from that whole ordeal um and now um, have a much better relationship uh with with credit now in my life to a point where i also focus on doing other things so i don't need credit um mm -hmm. and i think that bad experience just made me want to go discover all the ways to operate without it and i just learned how to do that and say and that's actually uh, a more more formidable way to go about life of course there's always instances where there's financing and deals but i'm i'm talking mm -hmm. about consumer debt um mm -hmm. 
and 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 just like oh like no that that I don't have to have a credit card. That's not everybody doesn't have to have one and don't have to depend on one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what I learned from the decision to say, oh, here's a credit card. I can, I got a great credit score. I can increase my limit. Oh, this is enough money to kind of start some businesses and do some mm-hmm. wild investments, some <laughs> wild aggressive yeah. investments that really didn't have any thought behind them. Right. I'm glad you shared those two because like with the real estate deal that you did, when you said you got the phone call, I think it's like you mentioned your your network and people that you know, it's very important to have like quality, valuable, genuine people that you are connected with personally and professionally that can call you up about a deal. But like you said, you you was wanting some details first, you know, right, before right. you gave that like official yes. Because how many times have people reached out to us to share a deal? And, you know, depending on who it is, you may have this high level of confidence, like, okay, this is probably going to be a good opportunity. And then depending on who it is, you may be kind of like, eh, I'm not really sure. But you always want to make sure that you're making the best decision for you. And like you said, it may not have uh, made you this huge amount of money, but the experience, I feel like experiences can be priceless too. Like I'm sure everything that you learned in that real estate deal, you could probably apply or have applied to other opportunities that you've been able to experience when it comes to real estate and shout out to Slim and Huskies. (laughs) I know their first Mm -hmm. one was in Nashville, Tennessee. So I love and support uh, Slim and Huskies, they have great business, great food, great service, great everything. So I'm really mm-hmm. excited about all of the expansions that they have going on there. But um, I think when it comes to real estate deals, a lot of people do want people that they can trust. And I think that right. just starts with like genuinely building like relationships with people. That way, when opportunities come, and just like when you made that decision, like you didn't really have a whole lot of time to make no, a move. it wasn't, wasn't. And I feel like that's confirmation that every time you make a money decision, you may not have all the answers or have everything like this perfect plan in place either. You just have to take the risk. I mean, investing is risky, right? right. So you just have to make the best decision based on the information you have at the time. Right. And we always hope that you get a good return on the investment, but I think that's really important to think about is that you never know where the opportunities may be. I'm sure you probably didn't think that how that deal played out and the, the actual, the specific property that you got, I'm sure you probably didn't think you would be investing in that property at that time either. No, no. I, I mean, I knew where the location was and when <laughs> yeah. she described it to me. I was like, Oh, I know where that is. And I know what mm-hmm. she's talking about. And it was, and it was one of those things where it's like, Oh, well, I, I, I now own this property or a piece mm-hmm. of this property uh, with all of our partners um, who are friends or, or colleagues of each other in some way. Mm-hmm. So it was um, it was it was just a great, great opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I think also backstory to this, because I think this is going to be helpful context wise because mm-hmm. uh, everything doesn't happen perfectly so I'm I, let me give you the backstory as to where that where that money came from <laughs> and and how this all even came about so at this at this point in time mm-hmm. um where she called me I, this was right when I had really started to 
um, invest in the stock market as well and uh and learn the stock market and just understand from a from a personal perspective now i studied the markets backwards and forwards up up and down in college and early in my career as an economist Mm -hmm. but it's a completely different story to actually be investing as an individual and buying stocks and companies it's it's, it's just a whole nother game you have to learn Mm -hmm. and i was learning that part of the financial world at that point in time uh, or getting better at it. And so there was a, the first semester that I went back to Georgetown, the very first semester I had done FAFSA to get uh, a loan for the first semester um, mm-hmm. of getting my master's degree in real estate finance. Mm-hmm. And I, I got, I got the degree, I mean, excuse me, not the, the degree. I got the initial semester loan which mm-hmm. was, I think I needed roughly about, I think it was like 5,500 or something mm-hmm. of that nature, somewhere around in there. Yeah. And um, so I had done the FAFSA, I, I got that and I had paid for the first semester. And then I had roughly at that point in time, after that, in my savings at that point in my life, I had like $5,000 in savings. Mm-hmm. Right? Like this is like my savings account. Like this is my <laughs> foundation, y'all. Right? Uh-huh. Like not not my 401k. Nothing. <laughs> like this is my liquid cash. Right? I have five thousand dollars in the savings account, and I was like, all right, it's my first semester. I need a new computer. I can't use the same computer I was using in undergrad. It's slow. It was a Dell. I was like, I want a MacBook. Like, <laughs> all right, like I got to get an upgrade. Right? So I, I had I took fifteen hundred out. Mm-hmm. And I had, I because I, I was going to get a, a MacBook, right? And then I'm like, I, the 15, well, when I say took it out, I put it in my checking account because I was literally about to go buy a MacBook, right? <laughs> and this was in the same kind of like week or so that I, that she called mm-hmm. me and she calls me. And when she says, hey, Rob, like, how, I was like, how much do I, am I going to have to put in a deal? And she was like, 5,000. Right, so I'm like, oh snap! Like, because if I do this, I can't get my MacBook, and I'm also I'm really low on savings because I knew in my mind I had a couple more paychecks coming because I was still I was in my last couple months at the job, so I was like, I can use the next couple paychecks, I can eat some ramen noodles, I can get my savings built back up real quick. Like I was just I was strategizing, right? <laughs> and and so I did it right and. Mm-hmm. I will not advise this to anybody, but I knew for myself, like the reason I felt comfortable with doing that is because I, I had an innate dependency on credit cards at that point. So mm-hmm. I knew if I had any expenses that I just that came out of the blue, I had just sent my savings away to invest in something. And and at that point, I was really saving at a fast pace though. Like, so just just to let people know, because I don't want anybody to think that that's, oh, I can do that too. I was saving about $1,100 per pay period mm-hmm. from, and because I had just, I was super great at managing my money. Mm-hmm. So every time I got paid, I could save $1,100. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was going, I knew I was a couple weeks away from turning in my two weeks notice. So my thinking at that point in time, I was like two months away from quitting. 
<laughs> and I thought to myself, okay, that's four paychecks. So that's mm-hmm. 4,400. In the next two months, I can save 4,400. So in the next two months, I can kind of replace this 5,000. And if anything kind of comes up out the blue, I got a credit card and, mm-hmm. and I'm going I'm to I'm navigate this because I don't want to miss this lifetime opportunity or yeah. opportunity of a lifetime to get into this deal that I think is a good deal. Cause I, at this point, I was really interested in real estate cause I'm going back to Georgetown to get a master's in real estate finance. I was like, oh, this is, I gotta do this. This is not yeah. optional. Like this, this is God saying you on the right path. Like I, there was no way I was saying no. Yeah. So I just had to accept the, the financial space that I was gonna put me in temporarily mm-hmm. and, and kind of feel comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, and I did it. And I, I tell you, I didn't go out those two months. I wasn't at nobody's happy hour. I, I was like, no, I can't. I don't feel comfortable right now spending money that I know I, I at the moment I don't really have. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even playing myself like that. So I like, I would go to work, go home, go to work, go to home and did it for like two months. I ended up replenishing my savings in two months back to where it was. Then at that point, um, I had to make a payment because between that time I had charged that MacBook to a credit card because mm. <laughs> I was like, I can't, I got to have a computer. I can't wait two months to get the computer. Let me just go get mm-hmm. the computer. I swiped it. Yeah. Then, so I had to, that there was so many things behind the scenes that I had to take some even bigger risk, not with just the investment itself, but where I personally was with my finances aside of making the investment for mm-hmm. that time period. And and the the thing that I look back at that and because it all worked out well, but when I look back at that, is also a lesson that I mean, sometimes you just got to take risk, and mm-hmm. and risk doesn't mean failure. And I think a lot of us in today's world we automatically equate risk with failure mm-hmm. instead of risk being just a part of the process to success. Yes, that is so true. I'm glad you said that. You guys that are listening out there, it's really important because I talk about the risk taking and I'm glad you specified risk not being failure. It's a part of the journey, like all these different experiences and opportunities are adding up to future successes and future opportunities. And sometimes just like how you broke it down, all the things that went on behind the scenes, it happens like that a lot of times where it's it's no just like when we see that meme where it has like, you know, your plan and it's like a straight line. Mm-hmm. And then the, the real plan is like all these circles <laughs> and stuff. It always happens that way. Yes, it would be great if it was just this perfect straight line, but it's not. But I feel like that's the beauty of it. Like, I feel like we're made stronger. We get more experience, educate. I feel, I feel like we're built better mentally mm-hmm. when we get to experience all of these different things. So just for you to be able to reflect back on all those things that went behind the scenes. Like you're right. You need that MacBook. I also had a Dell computer. <laughs> and when you said Dell, I was like, Oh my gosh. Cause I had a ragged, like when I bought it, it was oh already, God. it was already refurbished when I bought it, it was already. <laughs> and I had it for 10 years. Right, and right. I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't upgrade until this was 2000 and, 18 I think February so it's okay. really kind of new when I switched over to MacBook because I was I was I started writing I was okay. writing personal finance articles and 
I was like, this is just too slow. Like some of my keys was missing on the keyboard. Yeah. It was running slow. And I was like, this is I just. Missing, I was missing a key on my deal. <laughs> I definitely was missing a key. I remember that. I was like, this is not going to work. And I said, if I'm trying to elevate and turn things around real quick, I got to get a new uh, laptop. And I got a MacBook because I already had an iPhone. And yeah. once I got it, I was like, I cannot believe I struggled for the last mm -hmm. 10 years with this debt. Like, you know, back then it just, it served its purpose. But when you're trying to do so many different things personally and professionally, like you need a laptop that's going to handle a lot of information. Right. <laughs> not be slow. So I had a Dell too. And it's just crazy how little things like that, that we remember, that's just a part of the journey, you know, and you say you put it on a credit card. Yeah. And that's what you had to do at mm -hmm. the time, you know? So it's things like that. I, I think it's good to reflect on the great things, but things that we probably felt like, oh, I wish I hadn't have done that, but you still learn from it. Still something to be right. grateful for. Um, at least you did have the credit card to use at the time. Exactly. To put the MacBook on there. So just like when you uh, challenge us to think differently about debt that we've had in the past or debt mm -hmm. that we have now, it, it is important to think about the positives behind it. So I think that's really great. And that goes into talking about the financial freedom, you know, having the tools and resources that you need. So when it comes to financial freedom or being financially free, I would love to know, what does that really mean to you? Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> well, let me make sure I answer this question correctly. What is financial freedom to me or what do I think generally when I think about what I want to help people achieve? Great question. This one is for you. For what me. does financially freedom and being okay. financially free mean to you and for your life? For me, financially free means I'm free of thinking about finance. Mm. That's all it means to me. I want to get to a point in life. I don't even have to think about money. Mm -hmm. that's what financial freedom is to me is being in a position where you are free of having to think about it. Um, it's really that simple. And I, and I had to talk to myself in uh, not to sound crazy, but I had to talk to myself to really get to that basic understanding that says, Rob, like I know a lot of, in a lot of cases, you might have thought before, this is me talking to myself, y'all. You might have thought before that you wanted all the money in the world and you wanted to be a billionaire. You want to be a multimillionaire, which I, I'm still going to accept it when it happens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but what it actually what I really want is just to have enough where I don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't even want to I don't even want to know the count because I don't I want to <laughs> be in a point in life where the count doesn't even matter. Like there's certain yeah. people. Like we see in Forbes and things of that nature, Forbes is telling them how much they were because they don't even pay attention no more. Yeah. And, is, and, and, and that's one thing about wealth that I think a lot of us don't see because we don't have the opportunity to be in the financial industry, especially mm -hmm. the people who are at this, the very top of it. Yeah. From all of the individuals that I know are up there that I've had a chance to talk to, shake hands here at a breakfast, or whatever, however I heard them or came into contact with them, is that a lot of them are so enthralled with 
the missions that they are pursuing in life and the businesses that they run, that they're not thinking about how I'm going to get another billion or mm -hmm. another million. They're thinking about, oh, how can I create something that a lot of people need? Mm -hmm. Like, what can I do to change the way people live? Like, yeah. and when you do those things and on a very basic level, you add value to somebody's life, whether that value is convenience or that mm -hmm. value is a better product or a better service, like you're going to receive that value back and your wealth is going to grow and there's going to be more money for you to have, like have and spend. Right. Mm -hmm. But I also notice that they, they, a lot of them don't think about money the way that we think about money. And I was like, Oh, that's the goal. Yeah. The goal is to be free of having to think about it. Yeah. And they, they don't get to that point. And it's like, and they're not still obsessed with it. Like, mm -hmm. They're, they're they're like I, I know I got it trust me they know they got it <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. but they're not thinking about where is the next dollar coming from mm -hmm. their mentality is okay how am I going to pull the next idea out of my brain that is going to earn me a dollar mm -hmm. instead of okay let me go figure out where to make money it's a different yeah it's a different mentality and so when I had to have a con a real conversation with myself about where I wanted to ultimately be financially. Mm -hmm. I I realized that that's what it was. Like I I don't like to have to think about. All right, I can't eat out, but so many times per week because I'm saving money to pay off a credit card, yeah. or I gotta let me calculate my paycheck to see what's gonna be left. Like I don't want to think those thoughts no more, y'all. I don't yeah. know about everybody else, <laughs> but I don't and. Yeah, and, and I want to be free from those thoughts because it yeah. really is an imprisonment, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I realized that thinking those thoughts was a habit that was handed down to me, and that's where mm -hmm. this gets deep. Because I realized that the way I looked at money yeah. was the same way my mom looked at money, which was the same mm -hmm. way my grandma looked at money, and it was like, oh, we're gonna get really good. And and because they're very good at, at managing it, right? Yeah. And so their focus was getting good on managing what we have. Their focus wasn't creating more. Mm. And I said, okay, I got an opportunity now that I have that awareness of that cycle. Yeah. I want to focus my life on how do I create more because I'm tired of the thoughts that come with managing it. Mm. And it was just a personal thing I just got tired of. And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, like, let me figure this money thing out because I'm mm -hmm. tired of having to think about it. So let me go figure it out. And that's why it became my career. Mm -hmm. And so now it's like coming full circles. Like now I'm, I don't have it completely figured out, right? But mm -hmm. I know there's nothing's gonna stop me from my destination also, right? And yeah. now that I'm have that personal confidence and certainty, mm -hmm. I'm like, hey y'all, come on. Right? Yeah. And that's me now, right? Yes. <laughs> and so, and so <laughs> when it comes down to um like what I do every day and we us having these conversations or me yeah. being in the school and finance, it's me living out that thought every day mm -hmm. that's all it is 
yeah. and I realized, oh, I'm on the right track because every time I hear millionaires and billionaires talk, they're just talking about living out their thoughts. Mm. And I'm like, okay, I get how this goes now. And, and yeah. now I just got to get better at practicing certain habits, making sure mm -hmm. I stick to certain things because it's not given to you. It's not automatic. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of, there's still a lot of self-work that has yeah. to be done. So, but I, I now am a lot more certain about the formula to creating more happiness and satisfaction for myself. I can't say that this formula will work for everyone, mm -hmm. but I do know that there's enough commonalities that I share with many people that they will grasp onto a part of how I'm looking at this. And I can say, y'all, I, I didn't, I didn't bend over the mountaintop. I can tell you what happened over there. I can tell you how to get over there and y'all, y'all just come with me and I'm gonna take you back over there. Cause I just came back from over there. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, as far as just my professional experiences. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so that's, that's, I think what makes, what makes it, it so gratifying to me is that I don't really feel like what I do every day is work. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are things, there are elements that do feel like work. Let me get that correct. Like everything ain't easy. Right. Yeah. But I feel like what I'm working on mm -hmm. is not, I'm not working on something to get a paycheck. Mm -hmm. I'm working on something because my curiosity is still leading the way with how can we fix this? How can we fix money in the black community? How can we work together? How can we support each other's businesses? Like, and those curiosities as far as how, and it's like, all right, let's make something to see if it fixes the problem. And yeah. I think that's what entrepreneurship is, is like, oh, I see a problem or I see a, a void and I wanna work on filling it. And even if somebody doesn't even know it's a void yet, I'm gonna yeah. educate you in a way that's like, oh, dang, I was missing this and I didn't even know I was missing this. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's what's fun to me. Yeah, because sometimes we don't know, we don't realize that something is an issue. And the way you describe what financially being financially free like means to you, like when you mentioned not having to think about finance and the numbers, um, I relate to that as well because I remember the first time I like was you know majority of my work experience is handling insurance contracts, you know, investigating claims so like if there's hurricanes tornadoes um mudslides fires things like that paying out on those types of claims and when i got the like the contract where i made the most money mm -hmm. when i would get paid and pay for things and do different things like i would forget when i was paid because you know i really wasn't pressed to like look at my account right. you know and i was and this is just from one stream of income so like when you said other people that are you know, wealthier, more successful, that they're focusing on making more, having more opportunities to bring in more, not just looking at the numbers, you know, every single day. And that felt good. And that's something that is still a goal of mine is that I want to continue to, you know, do what I enjoy, but also still able to earn a living where I'm not just paying bills, but I'm actually able to pay for my living expenses and invest and travel and do all these other things. And I think that's really important. I don't, it's sometimes like, I don't even look in my checking account. Now, of course, you know, I, I do, but mm -hmm. sometimes I'm like, I just remember like years ago, I used to check my account every day, all day. Cause I'm trying to make sure I got enough money to swipe my debit card mm -hmm. here, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I was like, yep. I don't even have to do that anymore. Yep. Like you know, you'll be like 
you know, anywhere you're checking it, but you know, sometimes you hear like what your available balance is, but you got to make sure that's mm-hmm. your real available balance. Cause you got these make- pending transactions. Those pendings, those pendings. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I always tell my mom, I'm like, if you call or when well, I, I taught her how to, you know, check it online, but I was like, your available balance may say this, but it don't always necessarily mean that that's what you have available to spend. So just not having to worry about that type of stuff and you can just swipe your debit card and do whatever you want and not have to worry or stress or think about, oh, is it enough money or is my my check gonna, maybe I gotta wait till the 15th or anything like that. That's just, that. yeah, that's just really stressful. And I think you can do more in your life if you're not worrying about things like that. So I love that. And that goes into talking about entrepreneurship and Amplify Wealth Builders Community, aka Wealth Builder Gang. So <laughs> I know, I know about it, and uh-huh. I know there's some a lot of others that do. But for those of you who are new, for the people who are not familiar with Amplify and the Wealth Builders Community, if you could tell us what is Amplify, what is the Wealth Builders Community, and share with us how people can be a part of the movement. For sure. Um, well, Amplify, just before anybody Googles or tries to look in the, in the, def, in the dictionary to find a definition, because like, I never heard that word before. It is a word that, that was created. Uh, mm-hmm. So Ashley Fox, a uh, good friend of mine, we went to Howard University together. The days in which we were preparing to leave corporate America um and again this is around i was 25 she was 24 and we were three years out of college and was like this is three years it told us that we don't want another 30 here mm-hmm. and and um and she said to herself like i want to i've we, we've seen so much in the financial world we gotta like we gotta take this information back somehow to our community and we had no idea how we did we we that was just the thought right and mm-hmm. We, we were so fed up with work that we're like, well, in order for us to do something, we got to have our time back. We got to, we got to put, we got to shift our, our direction and, um, and grab those eight hours in the middle of the day back. Mm-hmm. And, um, and upon doing that, she had found some website. I still to this day don't know what this website <laughs> is, right? I feel like it was in her dream. There wasn't no real website, but she she put in the two words, empower and modify. Mm-hmm. And it was like a word scrambler. And it just takes the letters and like makes all these new words with the letters. And then it created Amplify. And I was like, oh, and she was like, it just get, it had a ring to it. And I'm like, yeah, it does have kind of a ring to it. Mm-hmm. And um, and at that point, she was like, oh, this makes so much sense because the reason she put the words empower and modify in there in the first place is because with all the things that we got from the financial experiences that we had to that point, which is in, was internships, a college degree, in a couple years, first couple years in corporate America, we realized that there was already, we had been exposed to enough information that if we just took this back to our communities, they will look completely different 10 years from now. Yeah. Um, and, and that was early on in, in our career. So she, we wanted to, well, she wanted to empower people with that information or that type of information. And 
she had tried change, but change didn't create any cool words. So then she said, all right, let me try modify. And she put modify in as far as just changing how we approach money, how we approach finances, how we approach that area of our life and just making a big change for future generations. So we put, she put modify in there and it created the word amplify. And the very first step, a lot of people don't know this. You might not even know this, Cleo, is that once that word was created, Ashley and I, around the same time frame, and I actually went first. I was kind of like maybe 60 days ahead of her. I had opened a financial advisory office in DC. Um, and that was going to be my thing. I, I we were thinking, okay, we can take this information back to our community as financial advisors. So we, I started my office and I started to train individuals, got people licensed in life insurance and also investments. Um, and I had an independent 25-year-old Black-owned financial advisory office in the middle of D.C., right beside Union Station on second street right so this is unprecedented <laughs> territory like i don't yeah. people think i was this ambitious like or i know everything person i was trying everything for the first like i didn't know i was just putting my best foot forward every single day i didn't know how to do this stuff mm -hmm. um but it's so it's so interesting how how your personal brand can take form in other people's minds because yeah. they thought, oh, Rob, he just know what he's doing. Like, he's just super successful. Like, he's going to be on 30 under 30 when I'm over here trying to just figure it out, right? Yeah. So <laughs> so at that point, I when I opened my office mm -hmm. and got those first couple people licensed, Ashley was like, I need to do that in Philly. But then mm -hmm. Ashley did it in Philly with, this, with a, a couple of close people to her. And we called all of my me and my office and associates and her and her office and associates we were all team amplify mm. so that was the very first time we had ever used it in a business space if you will we yeah. had a broker dealer but we kind of our moniker was that we're team amplify and, and that's just the, the name of our kind of like financial advisory team and for those mm. who might be familiar with that world you'll know that there's usually teams of financial advisors that work together at a lot of firms and that's just kind of what we named ourselves. Um, and then we got fed up with that. And we just like didn't like the rules. When you're licensed with certain financial licenses, you just a lot of things you can't do and can't say. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, this is kind of in, in, impeding on what we were really trying to communicate to our community. And then we said, all right, let's leave financial services behind. And yeah. we, I left my office with somebody I had trained up who wanted to stick around and stay in financial services, which I wasn't mad at. Mm -hmm. And I put everything under him and I literally walked away from the business. And so many people were like, Rob, what do you mean? I literally walked away from a book of business and said, here, you can have it. Yeah. It took, it took, I, I thought about that so much, but nonetheless, I was like, it's going to come back. I don't know, but it's going to come back. I just, some things you just got to sit down and walk away. Mm -hmm. And that led to uh, ultimately uh, getting into schools because we, we were thinking to ourselves, all right, we advise adults, but let's get to these people earlier. Let's start to talk to kids about money. Uh, Ashley started to get into schools. And at that same time, 
I had left DC and I actually got a contract to consult with in the federal banking world. Hmm. And so I was kind of learning the banking world from a B2B perspective and also educating Ashley on ways that she could create partnerships with banks to teach financial literacy and to do it kind of in, in unison with banks. Um, and so as far as banks sponsoring our programs in schools. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's how she got really took two feet in, jumped two feet into Amplify, leaving the financial advisory life behind. Mm-hmm. And then once my contract was up, uh, I left from the federal banking world and I jumped two feet in as well um, to help with the school stuff. And then a month after I left that, the federal banking space, a month after that is when we started a wealth builder community. Mm-hmm. And the wealth builder community started in November, 2018. Um, mm-hmm. And at that point, we had a partnership with a, a social media platform that we will not name. <laughs> and, um, and they gave us kind of like a premium room where we had like a, a subscription based model. And we decided that we were going to take that framework, that skeleton, and turn it into something that was more of like a space for conversation and nurturing and education. And we, we saw that it was connecting with the audience, with the world, with, with the marketplace, and individuals mm-hmm. like yourself and other individuals discovered us and found us. Mm-hmm. And then we said, we got to make this bigger and better and made an investment in building an app. Um, that now we own solely uh, and now all those things that we had in a partnership with the previous uh, company we now do completely on our own and have a lot more bells and whistles and that's kind of been the whole trajectory of the Amplify story as far as one of the main things which is the wealth builder community but we still have programs in high schools and middle schools and also in the uh, juvenile detention centers as well, mm-hmm. in the prison system. Uh, and we ha- do a lot in, in between as far as with community work as well, just to make sure any and everyone has access to personal finance, education mm-hmm. and information, as well as learning more about um, critical elements of entrepreneurship. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's, that's really how the whole story came about and how it kind of all came together. And it's like, so from my perspective to kind of button up the answer, from my perspective, you can't make that up. Like you can't say, I'm, we're going to go. That was never a plan. We just mm-hmm. took the, we just did the most with every step of the way. Yeah. And it led us here. But when we quit, when she left JP Morgan, and I left uh, my research firm back in 2013. Mm-hmm. We weren't thinking that, okay, in eight years, we're going to have an app. At that point, when we quit, apps weren't even a thing, really. No. So, so it was, so there was no way that back in 2013 that what we're doing today was anywhere in our, in our 10 year plan, let alone happen in seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was just a matter of we just, made the most of every step along the way and and made decisions in the moment um and it just led us to where we are where we are now yes thanks for giving us the rundown on that journey because i think it's important for people to not only be connected with 
Amplify and the Wealth Builders community, you and also Ashley and Fox. But I really think that it's important to know some of the backstory on your journey and how you came from, you know, graduating from college, starting your careers in corporate America and then transitioning out. And the fact that you all started somewhere, it's like confirmation that you don't have to have this perfect plan. Like you just start with whatever no. you feel like is best for you at the time. And then you right. just move. But then as time goes on, you're going to get signs and confirmations and you're going to experience things that gives you that idea that, okay, yes, this is what I should be doing. Let me keep pushing forward. Or maybe I need to pivot and do something different. Just like you left that business in DC and decided to do something else, still educating and inspiring people when it comes to finances, but in a different way. And I love the app. I am a wealth builder community <laughs> member for life. Oh, I'm not going anywhere. And shout I really think that other people should join in too. And what I really love about you and Ashley is that, you know, there's lots of people out there talking about money, right? And all the things that revolves around money. But I like the fact that you all, I, I feel that you all care. Not feeling that I think, like I can feel that you all, I can feel the generosity. I can, I know that you guys want to see us win. We're not just another name or another uh, number right. in the community, but you guys really want to see us all win as a community. That's why it's called Wealth Builders Community. Mm -hmm. Like we're all helping each other. Mm -hmm. And I like that the other people in the community are also on their own journeys. And we're all from different industries, different places, and we all can help each other. And I really believe that there's no way to transform if you don't have community or support from other people, because we can't do it by ourselves. Right, no. And that's something that I tried to do in the beginning when I really tried, when I really started getting my finances in order, I was trying to isolate it myself. And I really tried to figure it out on my own. But I realized I was not I was being a disservice to myself trying mm. to figure it out by myself. I mean, I was stressing myself out and I did not have to do that. So that's why I encourage other people out there, whoever is listening, please connect with someone else, a group of other people and start with the Wealth Builders Community app. That is a great place to start. And I love that you all cover multiple areas of our lives, not just us succeeding in one area, but you guys are interested in, elevating our lives in multiple areas. So I really appreciate that. And I want to share a, a financial affirmation a really quick. And I just want to know how you feel and how do you feel it relates to your own personal or professional journey? So I've already shuffled cards. Okay. So I'm basically just going to pick a random one and I'll read it to you here. Okay. All right. I have at least six months worth of living expenses saved. How does that make you feel and how does it relate to your own journey? That's exactly what I did to quit my job. And now I know that no amount of money that you have saved can really save you. It's actually the amount of money that you've been able to turn into a cash flow. Mm. Like I, I now know that if I could go back I wouldn't have been trying to save a certain amount of money to say, oh, once I save this, I can quit. I would have been more so aiming at, all right, once I've created a thousand dollar cash flow on the side that's consistent, then I'll quit. It's not about the money amount that you can save because you saving money does not help you 
as far as you saving money, that's a practice, that's a habit that you're building. That practice and habit doesn't exercise a muscle that you'll actually need to use once you have to create your own income. Mm. It's a completely different muscle. So yeah. when I hear that now, that's like, I did that and that's what I did to quit. But if I could go back, I would have more, more so been working on creating a cash flow, whether it's passive or a side hustle or something that was just consistent. And that was the trigger for leaving that world rather than a certain dollar amount saved. Yeah, I love that. You guys listening out there, remember, it's not just about saving that number and you're done. Like you said, creating that uh, cash flow there. So I really just want to know a few more things about you just to get to know you a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, Be really quick here. So whatever comes to mind first, of course. So what is this a one word game? Is it round robin? Uh, uh, doesn't have to be one word. It may be a okay. couple of words, but most okay. of them may be. So first is what is your favorite season? Spring, winter, summer, fall? I got to go summer. Yes. I love that. <laughs> I love summer too. And at, out of all the places that you traveled, what is the favorite place you've traveled to? And what's a place that you haven't been to yet that you're looking forward to visiting? Favorite place <laughs> has to be Peru. Cool. And place I haven't been yet that I want to visit would be Barbados. Ooh, I haven't been to neither one of those. <laughs> those are <laughs> on my list. Okay, so what is your favorite movie? Mm. <laughs> this is hard. I got a couple. Uh, the first <laughs> one that came to mind, though, was Bad Boys 2. Okay, good one. Um, but then from a younger age, man, I wore out Home Alone too. Oh yeah, that's the classic. Yeah, I played. I watched that movie. I don't know how many times. Um, so in life, I, I, those are the top two. But I mean, then I you got the like I love Friday. So Friday, you can't. Oh yeah. Yeah, Friday. It's like you can't. That that yeah. has to be a favorite in the vault. Yeah. yeah. So those those are my top three: Bad Boys Two, Home Alone Two, and Friday. Okay, cool. I love all three of those as well. Okay, what is your favorite food? Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, we'll go with lasagna. Mm. See, now I want some now. <laughs> now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> okay, what's one thing that makes you happy? Playing basketball. Hmm. Get a workout and be yeah. happy and feeling good at the same time. I like it. And last one here, if you had $500,000 right now, what's the first three things that you would do? Mm. I would, ooh, this is, a, oh, this is tough. You put me on the spot too. First I- three things. <laughs> My, my answer is no judgment judge, judge too because of <laughs> no judgment. a lot of reasons so okay <laughs> i'd say the first three things i would do is i would put i would put probably about half of it i'll put about two hundred fifty thousand into the stock market mm-hmm. different ways different investments i'll just leave yeah. it that. i'll leave that at that okay um and then <laughs> I would, um, 
I would buy a a, a food truck. Mm. Um, and I got a partner who who who's already one in the game, and and I would I would get another one so we can okay. kind of expand on that. And then um. And then the third thing I would do. Mm, I probably. After that, the, the next thing I'm doing is I'm I'm looking for somewhere to travel to, okay. um, and and yeah, those would be the things I I, I would I the things I would avoid. I I wouldn't buy a house. I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't do I wouldn't get a car. Mm -hmm. Like half a million really isn't that much. I'll be doing things to grow that half a million. I wouldn't feel like that was a finish line in life. Yeah, like it, it. It may sound like it to some people. Yeah, but it can sound like it, but man, five hundred thousand can vanish. Yeah, really, really, real fast. quick. So I, I would put it somewhere where I could grow it, and then we can think about how to be frivolous later. <laughs> right, got to take care of some business first. Yeah. I love that. All right, so last question here. I know a lot of times we're asked, you know, what advice would we give to our younger selves? Mm -hmm. But I want to know what advice would you tell yourself right here in this moment? This could be financial advice or just life advice in general. What would you tell you? What would you tell yourself right now? Love yourself even harder. Mm, I love that self-love is very it's a requirement i think it really controls the actions that we really take every day towards the things we really want to do so i love that love yourself and i really enjoyed this conversation with you rob i know it went by really really fast but this was you gave a lot of good information from sharing your story giving us the information on the wealth builders community and empathize. So for, you know, the people out there, if you could just let us know how we can connect with you and how we can support you and also support the wealth builders community movement and how people can join too. Yeah. So, um, best, I think the easiest way to get in contact or get connected with us is through Instagram. Uh, we're on Instagram at Wealth Builders Community, no underscores, straight through Wealth Builders Community. And on that page, uh, we post a lot of general educational, excuse me, posts, um, but we also have links in the bio that will take you to our landing page for our app, um, give you some background. Um, you'll see some testimonials, things that you can learn, courses that are available, uh, just some of the networking opportunities and just kind of learn a lot more about the community because there's so many things kind of wrapped in one uh, mm. where a lot of individuals may think, oh, this is just a finance thing. It's, it's way more than just finance. Um, okay. And it's really just about life and, and how we can kind of just get better at life, which will help us in our finances. Um, mm -hmm. And um, And so on Instagram is the best way to find us and just to get more information. But the website, uh, our website is Amplify.com. Mm -hmm. You can go to Amplify.com backslash uh, WB community, and mm -hmm. it will take you to the same landing page that you can get to through our Instagram account. Um, but that's the best way to find out more about the community, how it works, how you can join, um, and just what to expect. Uh, mm -hmm. 
then as far as myself, you can find me on Instagram um, and Twitter at the Rob Boyd. Um, there's a lot of Rob Boyds out there. I learned when I Googled. So I'm like, I am the Rob Boyd. Right. That's where I got that name from, y'all. So, um, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter that way. And also on LinkedIn, just as Rob mm-hmm. Boyd. And I also have a Facebook page, Rob Boyd as well. Um, so it's pretty consistent across the board. And mm-hmm. uh, you can connect with me. I respond to DMs and I respond to emails. You might have to give me a couple of days, but I'll respond to your email. <laughs> and um, and those are the best ways to get connected with me and, and the community. Yes, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and generosity today. And I know this is the end of the show, you guys, but before I go, I just want to encourage you to just take it one day at a time, take it one step at a time. And of course, reach out to the Rob Boyd on social media and also check out the Wealth Builders community page on social media and take a look at the website and take the necessary steps to join in on this movement because you don't want to miss out. Like I said, I'm a member for life. So uh, you do not want to miss I'm out. Not, I'm not going anywhere. So just remember as you navigate through your financial journey, don't wonder what if, take a risk and have an amazing week. You can be financially free with Cleo.